Blog Talk Radio.
Hi, Jeanette. Welcome to Precious Documents Blog Talk Radio. Number engine five How are you doing? Okay, someone just called in. Can you hear me? Hi, Jeanette. Can you hear me? I can hear you. Is you... this Linda? Oh, okay. Then. Yes, now I can hear you. It was very bad, the reception. Okay, what about now? Is it reception? Uh, okay, well, this is what I am going to do. I am going to cut, call in on another line, and that way I can still be able to get it, this job done, you know. And it's interesting because I was using my mic because someone was seeing that I'm too low, and they were able to hear me. So I thought maybe I'll pull my microphone back out, but apparently my microphone don't want to work. So I'm going to have to do the microphone check. There you go. Well, I, can, I, can hear you. I can hear you pretty good now. Oh, you can? Yes. Right, so if that's the case, then I won't. I want to thank you for joining me. I appreciate the invitation with you willing to come forward. Now, tell the listeners who you are. Did you ask me who I am? Sorry, the reception is yes. a little off, but I can still hear you. <laughs> okay. My name is Linda Contreras, and I'm a therapist, a clinical social worker. Okay. Now, with this topic here today, Gone Tomorrow, and talking about the grief process. Now, a lot of individuals, I'm going to go on and call in on the other one because I don't want to take no chances because no one else is telling me anything in regards to whether they can hear me or not. So I want to just log in on a different way and go hide this. Oh, wow. I can't even get in. Let me see something. So tell listeners, what comes to your mind when you think about or working with individuals as it relates to grief? Well, when I work with individuals with grief, I, I first try to assess where they're at in the stage of grief. Uh, we, you know, I meet the client where they're at. And, you know, the five stages of grief, you know, denial, anger, bargaining, depression, acceptance, I assess where they're at and meet them where they're at. And, mm-hmm. and working with them, and working with them, I like to normalize whatever stage they're in. And normalize that in one day they can be in all five stages, mm-hmm. and the whole and in the whole year they might go through all the stages, and just normalizing and, and validating where they're at because everyone grieves differently. Mhm. And you know, and that's interesting, Linda, because a lot of times individuals don't even know where they are when we talk about grief. Can you hear me better? Can you hear me? I'm going to I lost I'm going to turn this this mic and give me one second. Okay. Okay, can you hear me? Okay, Linda. Okay, Linda. Yes. Yeah. Are you getting the echo? Are you getting the echo? Yes. Yeah. 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 You know what? Today I just cannot win. Cannot win. Cannot win. Let me turn this thing off. Are you there, Jeanette? 
this person on. Okay, let me log Linda back on. Okay, Linda? Yes. Okay, this is what I'm going to do. I don't know if we got the echo now, but i got to separate myself no from here. Because, okay, no echo. Okay, good job. Okay, so when we start talking about the different process and we talk about the grief process, we talked about the GABA, which is the denial, the anger, the bargaining, the acceptance, and now we have what's called the guilt and then the hope. That's another stage that individuals go through. Now, mm-hmm. we start talking about even with the topic of the show here today, gone tomorrow. Now, we know that tomorrow is not promised to nobody. And what happens is a lot of times we get caught up in that. Now, there's also when we start talking about the different grief, you know, Linda, and trying to give individuals resources and help. And can you explain a little bit when you indicated you try to meet the person where they are? What did you mean by that? What I mean by that is um, what what happened over the weekend it, it, hit, it touched the whole community, and we got to meet where each individual is at, where each community is at, meaning are they in shock, are they in anger, are they in sadness, you know, and assessing where they're at to make sure they're safe and they have support and who can they talk to and mm-hmm. finding out how, how it affected them, how has this, this death impacted them in, in their life because we all grieve differently. Mm-hmm. And, you know, Linda, I think that's one of the biggest issues is because we all grieve differently. You know, I heard people say that they have been crying all day. You know, I've heard people sometimes they, they wallow, they go, they slip into depression. And sometimes even whether you know the person or don't know the person, like I said, when I was on Facebook and I saw that one of my neighbors that I grew up with, that his son died on the same day, you know, where he just took it and got on his motorcycle and apparently got into a tragic accident, had a tragic accident, that right there is sad. So now i got to follow up with him and see how he's doing. And then I've been looking at Facebook. People are talking about why are they talking about Kobe but not talking about the other individuals. And then even yeah. for his wife to not only lose her husband, her childhood sweetheart, but also lost her second child. That right there yeah. is a lot. Because for a woman yeah. to grieve her husband is one thing, but for a mother to grieve her child, and now this particular woman has to go through both at the same time, that's a lot. So when we that's start talking about these things, and not only that, something else is what we call secondary trauma. Now, mm-hmm. sometimes individuals go through the trauma, and those were individuals that was actually either saw the accident, heard the accident, you know, and, and depending mm-hmm. on how the other person passed, so when we start talking about these things, and this is something we're going to be listening to and something that people experience for a long, long time when it comes mm-hmm. to grief. And it's one of the things that I wrote, Linda, when I talked about, you know, just growing up in Compton and talking about grieving, and one of the things that I, I put on there is that healing is possible. Because sometimes when individuals are going through the motions, they can get stuck, and they feel like it may never end. What have been some of your experiences or some of the things that you may want to share with the listeners as it relates to this topic? Yes, um, I, I worked with several individuals where they are stuck. You know, it's been, and particularly a mother who lost her child, you know, it's been two years, and she was just, stuck in depression and feeling like it would never go away because it's the the anniversaries, whether it's birthdays mm-hmm. or holidays, that keep re-triggering this grief, this loss, and they feel like it's, it's endless. And um, there is healing. You know, one of the stages is, is acceptance and, and healing mm-hmm. and feeling at peace. It's, it's definitely possible. And we and how is it possible? We have to process it. We have to reach out for mm-hmm. help. We don't want to get stuck in anger. We don't want to get stuck in, in denial or depression. We want to move forward to acceptance. And there, there is a healing process, whether you want to do it mm-hmm. on your own, through, through your spirituality, and individually, uh, with a therapist, with a group, getting involved in the community. It, you, it, healing is possible, and, and it's there. 
Mm-hmm. Now we have a caller calling in. Let me log this caller on. Okay. Give me one second. Hi, this is Jeanette. Welcome to Press Predicaments Blog Talk Radio. How are you doing? Number ended in eight six. Hi, how are you? I am well. How are you doing, Mr. Stevens? I'm doing great. My mom said to get a hold of you today. She texted me. Yeah. Okay. I texted the information about the show, and I know that you are a diehard Lakers fan. And I know sure I am. talk sports and things of that nature. And she was also concerned with some of the way that you may be feeling because today's topic is here today, gone tomorrow. What is your take on the grief process and some of the emotions that you may be experiencing? I'm just crying a lot. Okay. And although you're crying a lot, what is it that you are experiencing or you're going through? What would you be I'm crying a lot. I just lost my favorite sports idol in the world. I, I look up to him. With everything, my brother loved Michael Jordan. I, I love Kobe Bryant. I have a picture on my phone um, that I will never take off of him mm-hmm. dunking in, in Staples. Mhm. Wow. Okay. All right. Now, Linda, when you're talking, and I have some information, and it talks about some of the myths. And the, the, the three myths about the stages of grief you want to know. And this is basically by Louise E. Cedric. And one of the things, and this was published in 2019, they talk about the stages was basically devised by Elizabeth Kubler-Ross, and it gets a bit bad rep. And they want to bust some of the myths around this. Now, when they start talking about some of the myths with the stages, we talk about denial. And that's the model described, and it didn't intend her model to explain what people go through when they lose a loved one. Instead, she developed them to describe the process patients go through as they come to terms with their terminal illnesses and the stages were later applied to grieving families and family members. And that's one of the things, because people think that people are in denial like, as if the person is still alive. But we go through also rituals and things of that nature. Now, the other myth that they have is grief happens in stages. And one of the things they said is that grief doesn't occur in linear and predictable fashion. The writing towards the end of the Can you hold for a second? Stages. Okay, okay. Can you hold for a second? Yes, I can. That the stages basically, they get caught up in that. Now, when we start talking about the final stage of acceptance, and with the acceptance, what do you think that they really, when we talk about the myth, because some individuals say, okay, I accept it, it is what it is. How can we help Linda in the field of being a therapist to get individuals to accept some things? Because acceptance is also confused with the notion of being all right or it's okay about what happened. And sometimes people may never be okay, but how can we ease this? And I know you said, like, talking. And this young man that called, I've known him for years, and I did get in touch with his mom, and I got in touch with his mom because I wanted to make sure he was okay because I know that he has always been a Lakers fan, and he does have a disability, and um, but he's always been a, a, a real diehard sports fanatic. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yes, definitely. The, the acceptance stage can be very confusing because often people think the acceptance stage is that we're all right, it's okay, what happened, happened. But that's not the case. Like most people don't ever feel okay when they lose a, lo- a loved one. The stage of acceptance, it, it's the reality that our loved one, our, our idol, our family member is, is physically gone and recognizing that it's reality and it's a permanent reality. We mm-hmm. may never be okay with it, but eventually we will accept it. It's just accepting that the person is gone, and we learn to live with that absence of that person being present in our lives. That's, mm-hmm. that's the myth. It's that we forgot about them and we're okay. No, it's just accepting that that person is no longer here. 
Mm-hmm. And, you know, and sometimes because when we talk about losing a loved one, and we know that it can be very, very painful. And um, a lot of times people may never understand. And sometimes people may say the wrong things. They, you know, yeah. don't know what to say. And I tell people yeah. because I have five different office locations. And in my Oceanside office, I don't decorate. You know I don't decorate. But the only pictures <laughs> I have on the wall are pictures of my mother and my father who have passed away. And, you know, I can come in my office and look at their pictures. I can look at their faces. And it seems like they are still in my heart, but yet mm-hmm. I know that they are no longer on this earth. And sometimes that can be very difficult because some people will make a shrine. Some individuals will remove all of their belongings. My cousin just celebrated the 10-year anniversary of her mom's passing, and she said it actually took her 10 years to pretty much accept it. Because sometimes wow. we don't know how to let go. Now, mm-hmm. that even being the case, and despite, you know, coping with grief, we all know that it's an unavoidable part of our life because we all going to experience it. You know, I was looking at Facebook and some individuals talking about losing a pet. I know what it's like to lose a pet. Now, I've never lost a child. You know, I never lost a husband but I know when my my son's father passed away, it was a little different emotion because we didn't have that type of relationship. But we mm-hmm. want to make sure that no matter how strong the pain is, losing a loved one, it's important to know that you had someone to love at all. And that is part of the thing is people are afraid. Now, this is some information that I'm looking at, and it's basically coming from the lawofattraction.com. And one of the mm. things that it talks about is what we are taught by people that we love during their lifetime is unique to us all. There are five lessons learned from death. Be grateful. If there's mm-hmm. one thing we can learn from death or death of another is that we have to learn how to be grateful. Too often, it can take the pain or shock or a loss to wake individuals up. What do you think about that? Because when we start looking at him, I'm going back to Kobe Bryant, we were looking at the death of him being, or his age was 41, and all of his accomplishments and accolades. And I was listening to some of the things that people said, and it was interesting when they said he had an un, he was unapologetic. I said, oh, I guess that comes from being a ball hog, being cocky. And I was cracking up. I was like, unapologetic. And I know when my mom passed, she was only 59, and my father was 74. But then we got people losing their kids and their babies or, you know, kids dying of cancer. And, you know, and, and it's like age. Do age really play a role when we talk about being grateful? What are you, What is your comments in regards to that, Linda, just to learn how to be grateful? I have mixed feelings about it, but being grateful, it's that piece of gratitude, being grateful for what these individuals, whether it's, you know, your mother, your father, your child, you know, a 20-year-old, a 40-year-old, definitely being grateful for the the days they spent on this world, on this life. What were their accomplishments, you know, focusing Mm -hmm. on, on, on that piece, being grateful for on that piece, remembering the, the good times. Mm-hmm. That's that's my take on it. And you know what? Because every moment, every person, every experience, and every memory is precious. And that's when we start talking about it because, I, like I tell individuals, mm-hmm. the precious predicaments blog talk radio basically comes from my mother. That's my way of mm-hmm. keeping her memory alive because even as I come up with the topic, even as I do the shows, I think of something she said. I think of something she did. And those are some of the things that I share in regards mm-hmm. to being grateful that she was my mother. I mean, she wasn't and always. This, I, I want to point. I want to point this out before I I get going. But you know, being grateful, we're we're talking about how we grieve. You know, I'm currently grieving over this. Um, I grew up in 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 LA. And I played sports all my life. I played basketball. I was called a Miss Wonder Woman. He was one of my idols. You know, you shoot the mm-hmm. shot, you say Kobe. You know, I've been to Laker games, you know. And on social media, I'm hearing, you know, why are we honoring this celebrity and not other people who passed away? Or why are we honoring someone who, you know, who was 
you know, has infidelity. And I want mm-hmm. people to understand understand that this this Kobe Bryant made an impact in the community to inner city youth. He was mm. our our role model. He was an impact. He was somebody we looked up to. And probably the reasons why I was motivated, I wanted to be like Kobe. I remember saying I wanted to be in the WNBA. That's how much of a role model, you know, growing up in an inner city in Los Angeles, sometimes sports is all we have. He, mm-hmm. he, he gave us, like, like he, he made L.A. When you look at the Staples Center, you think of Kobe. It's, it's more to that. He, he, he impacted a, a big community. And when I think of Kobe, I don't think of a celebrity. I'm thinking that that was my idol as a childhood. So I'm grieving my childhood. It's that, that mm-hmm. connection I had with him as a child and re- remembering those moments, remembering those moments and, and processing and grieving through it and trying to um, filter the negative that I'm reading on social media about it. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, one of the things is with the negativity that I'm seeing on social media, I just say people don't know no better. I don't even feed into mm-hmm. it, and we all are going to leave this world. And my thing is, what do you want them to say about you? You know, what, are, what, what did you do to add or take away or make an impact in other people's lives? Because people go talk about you good, bad, or indifferent. Somebody will always have something to say. So I mm-hmm. used to say to individuals, before you say something like that, it goes back to mm-hmm. watching the movie The Help. Is it nice? Is it kind? Is it necessary? You know, because mm-hmm. we are good to point the finger at somebody but don't want nobody to talk about us or put our baggage or our dirt out there. You know, and mm-hmm. sometimes even going to a funeral, that's when you hear a whole lot of secrets and, and they with this. And sometimes mm-hmm. it could be a whole lot of other different things, their emotions that they're going through, just because you don't know that person. But like you said, mm-hmm. he did affect a lot of people's lives. He was instrumental. And he was one. And, and I was a basketball coach. I used to coach when my kids were little. You know, I yeah. just used to teach my son because my son was a ball hog like that. So, my favorite player was Isaiah Thomas. I was an Isaiah Thomas person. But that's not to mm. take nothing away from nobody else. But as a therapist and working with individuals who have lost their significant other or a parent who has lost their child, it's taking it from a whole other perspective. But we just need to be mm-hmm. mindful of some of the things that we say. And when your day comes, what are they going to say about mm-hmm. you? So that's mm-hmm. a whole mm-hmm. other way of, of looking at it. Now, getting back yes. to some of the information that I have here, and when we start talking about just the grief and lessons that we can learn from a death or a passing of another, besides being grateful, is let nothing go unsaid. I'm seeing that too, Linda. A lot of individuals are now telling people that they love them. My son was texting me, Mama, I love you, Mama. And it was crazy because even before it happened and I left my house, I told my grandson, give me a kiss, kiss me on the cheek. I told my daughter, and she grown. I said, give me a kiss. You know, because when I left, I didn't know anything about that incident until when I got on the road. But I was doing that because my thing was as much as I drive up and down this highway, if I don't make it back, at least I told you I loved you. At least I showed you some affection before I left. So mm-hmm. that's another thing you can learn is let nothing go unsaid. Because one of the biggest regrets of those who lost someone to death is that they never said what they needed to say when they had the chance. And mm-hmm. we see that a lot, especially at funerals. So whether you're angry at the person that you love, have unresolved issues, need their forgiveness, or want to um, tell them exactly which, how you feel about something, do it now while you have the opportunity to do so. And the next one I talk about is tomorrow is not guaranteed. Even though the death can be either unexpected or expected, either way, there is no way of knowing when the final curtain will fall. So as a cliche, it may sound, or like we say it every day, that there are no guarantees in life. There isn't. Because we got stuff happening every day. Like I said, I'm quite sure when my friend saw his son or talked to his son or whatever, and he got on his motorcycle, they probably never thought that they were going to get a phone call that he 
was involved in a fatal accident and didn't make it. You know, and I'm just like, wow. And so there's a lot of things that people are becoming emotional. A lot of people are, are sobbing, they're grieving, they're drinking. You know, we have, we're going to be doing drug and alcohol. We've got to do some drug tests on some of these clients because people mourn and <laughs> grieve differently. <laughs> well, we've got to be bringing out the drug tests. But you know what? But that goes back to their coping skills, too, because a lot of times individuals mm-hmm. don't know what to do. They don't know what to mm-hmm. do. Now, we start talking about it again tomorrow. There's no guarantee. And going back to that is make every moment count. And as difficult as it may be, try to take nothing for granted. A lot of times we take people for granted. And we need mm-hmm. to be careful with that. And the next mm-hmm. thing it talks about is be true to yourself. Following on the messages that life is, in fact, very short, because we hear that a lot, too, comes from a lesson that we should always be true to ourselves. A life mm-hmm. of no regrets is one that is lived in alignment with one's true self. And mm-hmm. I want to say this, life does go on. Mm-hmm. And if individuals want to call in on the show, give me a call, 516 516- Three eight seven one nine one four. Now I know you got to get back to work, but let's talk about mm-hmm. a little bit that life does go on. How can individuals go on with their life, Linda? After a loved one passes, my biggest recommendation when it comes to coping skills is being distracted with family. And if family's not around because they're out of state, it's being distracted uh, with friends. We gotta stay busy. However, give your time to to grief the loss. You know, go through the cycle. Be you, it's okay to be sad. It's okay to be depressed. But life goes on, and and it's an adjustment. Know that there's going to be a, a period of adjusting to life without them, and have support from family or church or friends, wherever your support is. You need to to reach out for help. It it, it takes a team to get the, to get through it, and getting through it by yourself will be probably twice as hard. You know, you don't want to isolate. You want to reach out mm-hmm. for help for help. It's easier said than done, but you you have to try. Mm-hmm. You know, one Linda, that's a big one. Is we do have to make sure people are not isolated, mm-hmm. isolate themselves, and we also need to give them a call. Just check on them. Because, like I said, that's what mm-hmm. I did with that young man, Stephen. I called his mother, mm-hmm. and I'm glad she got in touch with him because I know how he felt about Kobe. I know how he yeah. he loved deep and he loved hard. So I just wanted to yeah. check up on him just to make sure he was okay. So I'm very that's glad he called in. Mm-hmm. And that's what we need to do. We have to do a check-in with, with people from time to time. Mm-hmm. Because I got a call from my mom. She called me. My mom's like, are you okay? I said, I, I'm having my moment, but I, I'm just getting distracted now. we we got to check in on people. Mm-hmm. You never know. That's true. you got to let people know you care and hear them out. Mm-hmm. If they want to tell a story, take the time to hear their story. If they want to share a moment. Yes. And I think that's where some of the negativity is coming from, is people yes. are getting tired of hearing a story. And they're looking at it as, well, this person is this, this person is that. What about other people? We all have a story. We all have a past. We all have made an impact on somebody's life. You know, and I'm that's tell how you, they're grieving. Mm-hmm. That is. That's that how is they're exactly grieving. If, it, if it's posting it on social media, sharing a picture with him, sharing sharing a story when they met him, and even the other people that passed away, they're all from Orange County. So I'm seeing a lot of posts about these people, and it's it's that's where the negativity is coming from. But let them grieve. That's how they're grieving. They're they're releasing their emotions through a post, and that's okay. Mhm. Wow. And you know what? And that's crazy because you know we're in Orange County too, so mm-hmm. we are going to be seeing a lot, a lot of emotions, a lot of help. You know, call someone. And if you feel like you know, some people feel I can't live without this person. If you are having thoughts of suicide. Call two one one, get some help. There are crisis lines that you can call. There's also um, places you can text, but talk to somebody. 
don't hold mm-hmm. on to that because that grief can eat you up. And what yeah. we don't want is individuals to engage in self-destructive behavior. And mm-hmm. a lot of times when we talk about that behavior in that morning, you know, like I think that when we talk about anger, a lot of times individuals get stuck in that angry stage. And you know, a lot of individuals don't even know anything about grief counseling. Can you share mm-hmm. a little bit of what grief counseling is about, Linda? Grief counseling is processing, processing when you're lost or confused, when grief counseling is is processing those feelings, sharing the moments, giving you this, this space to to talk about what that loss meant to you and how process how you're going to move on with life without them. And mm-hmm. the grief process is also to process this anger that you might not know it. The therapist mm-hmm. is going to point out that anger and assess for any risk that you have because the grief process, you know, when you come to therapy, we're going to see is it affecting your school life, your job, your other relationships. Um, we're going to assess how how your grief is impacting you know, other things going on in your life. And we, we're going to mm-hmm. learn coping skills. We learn coping skills for when we're sad, when we're angry, when we're still in disbelief, when we're getting triggered with anniversaries. We learn those positive coping skills so we don't get into the destructive behavior of self-cutting or self-medicating, using substances. It, it's, it's, a, it's a ride of, of, of healing, Mm-hmm. I like how you explain that because it is such a unique kind of therapy because as the grief itself is different from other forms of emotion, because a lot of times individuals have a difficult time regulating their emotions. We know happy, we know sad, and, and everybody may not cry. Just because the person don't cry don't mean that they don't love the person. Mm-hmm. You know, because, like I said, and we need to be mindful of that because people think, oh, you got to be sad, oh, I got to cry. No, you don't. No, you don't. No. So, however, whatever works for you. Now, mm-hmm. as grief itself is a different form of emotion or mental health diagnosis such as depression, grief counseling respects that each person will have individual reactions to their hurt. Mm-hmm. And there is no time limit that can truly accurately assess when the hurt will stop or the pain will go away. Because a lot of times mm-hmm. the people just want it to just go away. Just they want to go to sleep and just wake up. You know, there have been mm-hmm. times that I've been at funerals, and I used to be like people are just in a zone where their doctors will give them an antidepressant or an anti-anxiety medication. And sometimes they'd be so mm-hmm. high they're numb. Mm-hmm. And that doesn't mm-hmm. take away from the feelings that they're going to have to go through. Now, mm-hmm. it is also likely that life will be forever transformed by the power of losing someone that was very special. And it's also true that losing someone who we were estranged from or we had conflict with is something even more troubling than other kinds of grief. So that's a whole mm-hmm. other issue. Now, when we talk about mm-hmm. some goals of grief counseling, one of the things, and I'm getting this information from Counseling Wellness, and it talks about they try to label and assist the client in determining which part of their hurt or loss are normal and to assist the client in developing resistance to any negative or destructive patterns of grief, which is one of the things you said. It is also to activate internal, external resources to help the processing and recovery from grief. You have to recover. It's okay to cry. It's okay to be angry, but it's not okay to stay there. And in establishing a standard and vision for new normal is dubbed mm-hmm. as a part of life following the loss of the processing of the grief. You got to have a new normal. You know, I had to learn how to live life without a mother, live life without a father. You know, sometimes individuals, I've heard people lose a child, they try to have another child replace the child, or they get mm-hmm. scared and they become overprotective of their other children because they don't want to experience mm-hmm. that pain again. So can you speak mm-hmm. on that a little bit before I go on with some other information? Yes. It's, it, a new normal is, is definitely part of the grief therapy. 
it's after process, processing everything, this is, you know, usually towards the end of, of treatment is how are we going to cope after this? What is our new normal? How How is our day-to-day activity going to be for you? And, you know, it, it, how are we going to adapt to that change? How to live without this person and, and your daily routine? You know, maybe they live with you. Maybe mm-hmm. you slept in the same bed with them. You know, how how are we going to re, re, replace by healing this emptiness in, inside of us? We we have to find uh, a positive way to cope with it. How are we going to replace all that? It, it It's a big change and know that it doesn't take night or day. It, it's an adjustment. For some, it can take three months, some six months. You know, you were just saying for someone it took 10 years to accept it. It, it, mm-hmm. Every person is different, and you're 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 no different than the person who is moving very quickly in the grieving process. It's uh, your process is normal, and we do mm-hmm. have to find uh, we have to move forward a new way of living without this individual. Mhm. And like I said, I know a lot of times with my mom, I'm like, oh Lord Jesus, I don't know. Sometimes I would just go to the cemetery and just visit her grave and just talk to her because uh-huh. I'm like, Lord, I need help. But also with grief counseling, it serves as a guide in providing psychoeducation on the stages and the process of grief. Because in psychoeducation, you have someone either give you and teach you coping skills, coping mechanisms, working on assignments, talking about things, and sometimes bringing up stuff that you may have even forgot about. And to diagnose and comp- the complications and bereavement, and to assess yeah. in the need for other kinds of therapy. Because sometimes when a person passes, we realize now we got to pick up the torch and work on other issues that is also going on within ourselves. Now, I want to talk about we talked about grief, but I want to provide um, in regards to different kinds of losses. Because, like I said, we have child, adolescent, teen grief counseling. Sometimes you can include mm-hmm. art therapy as an option. You got mm-hmm. family grief counseling. That's when a loss mm-hmm. has impacted the entire family system. We can provide support to ensure that coping is healthy and nobody is further mm-hmm. suffering the effects of distance or alienation. Individual mm-hmm. adult counseling for the loss of a loved one due to a death or divorce or even separation. They have um, mm-hmm. spiritual counseling. They got grief counseling mm-hmm. for pets. And pets are often like children, and mourning the loss of a third child can require support and crisis support. When an individual or family has a sudden loss or an event, you know, there's different things that you can also do because, like I said, nobody is expecting that. And sometimes, like I said, when we got grandparents that are passed away or, you know, they lived a long life, but people still grieve, no mm-hmm. matter who the person was. It's that long. Grief is normal. We have to normalize that grieving is okay. It's normal. It's part of life. We're born mm-hmm. to die, and it's okay to grieve. Mhm. Okay, Jeanette, I have to get going. Got you. Thank you. I appreciate you for calling in. Okay. Thank you for accepting my call. <laughs> Thank you for letting me know <laughs> that I, you wasn't able to hear me as I had that speaker thing on. So I got to order a new mic. Okay. Now. Yeah. Okay. We'll talk later. Thank you. Okay. All right. Now I want to share. Some information, okay. Um, I think Stephen is calling back on. Okay, give me one second. Hello, hi, this is Can you hear me, Stephen? You got a lot of background noise, Stephen. I'm I'm back. Okay, you got a lot of background noise. It's mutual. You got a lot of noise going on. I'm standing in the street at the high school. Okay, well, I got to mute you. I can't hear. You got much noise going on, okay? You got what do you want me to do? No, you can still hear. I'm just going to mute it so that we won't hear the noise. Okay? Can you hear? Can you hear hear me better? I can hear you better now. Okay. Thank you. I okay, I can't. No. Okay. Uh, I'm just going to put you in listen mode because I know we got 13 minutes left on the show. 
But is there anything you want to say? Because I know there's a lot of noise in the background. Uh, I can't use the phone in the house because Michelle got back. Oh, okay. Does, right, we'll talk she about does, that. She doesn't, she doesn't like it when I stand in the driveway. She comes out to see who I'm talking to. Okay, gotcha. So I, okay. So I, walk, so I walk to the high school. Okay, gotcha. Okay. Now when we talk I just about want, I just want to say that Kobe Bryant was the best NBA player with Michael Jordan and he was my idol and and I will live up to him every day now. Okay. All right. All right, well thank you for sharing, Stephen. I appreciate that. Okay. I will right. listen. Okay. Get back to now, me when you get a chance. I will definitely do that. Okay. Now we I miss you. I miss you too, Stephen. <laughs> okay. okay. Now, when we start talking about grief, and even though that it's normal, even though it's natural, and we start talking about what causes grief, which we know, and that many think of grief in terms of a death, a sense of a loss comes in response of more than events, but nearly one third have faced either serious illnesses or have had the passing of a family member. And another have either gone through the death of a family member, a close friend, and many have even mourned the loss of a friendship or a relationship. We talked about the loss of a pet. We talked about a lot of different things. Now, when we start talking about these things, the main thing is the expectations versus reality. Because even when Linda was on the air and we talked about how grieving is normal, but it's a very personal process, and that's something we didn't talk about, is it's very personal. But it can be hard to ignore the expectations of others, and people often mourn to the mourners return to regular life before they're ready. Now, when we start talking about this, we don't want to rush anyone we don't want to tell individuals how they should mourn or how they should basically um, grieve because that's where we get into a lot of problems, and we have a lot of problems because, you know, I'm looking at some information, and I know one of the things that Linda was saying is our community is mourning because, yes, she's from L.A., I'm from Compton, we, I have an office in Orange County. I know Kobe Bryant basically also at one point lived in Orange County. And, you know, so people are grieving all over the world, basically. And whether it's Kobe Bryant, whether it's the other individuals that was involved in the helicopter crash, whether you just lost a family member, a pet, we all are going to be going through something. So I want to say and get into some what not to say. Because a lot of times that gets individuals in trouble. Because a lot of times when individuals are mourning or like a person will say a person has passed away, and especially with a child, don't tell a person, I know how you feel. Because a lot of times you really don't. And what happens is individuals are just trying to spark up a conversation And that's not something that individuals really want to hear at that time. I will never forget when when my friend, Ms. Park's husband passed, and I went to his funeral. And I didn't know what to say to her at first. But when I looked at her face, I knew what not to say. Now, I'm looking at something, and this is coming from realsimple.com. It talks about nine things you should never say to someone grieving and what to say instead. So I want to take the ending of the show to talk about that because when someone dies, the first steps are usually clear, pretty clear. You fill the family refrigerator with meals. You go to the funeral. You attend the viewing. You send bereavement cards and all that kind of stuff. But after the initial period, the process tends to go off script. We don't want to remind the person of the loss and the fact that he or she is grieving is one of the things that they indicate. They have what's called an online community service offering resources and conversations about the loss and grief. So, What happens is many times individuals tiptoe around directly addressing it, but some individuals try to skip over it completely or they don't say nothing at all. Though almost universal, well-intended, we might say things sometimes that can be hurtful. I talked about earlier, sometimes we say things that are not necessary. 
So one of the things they said, and they indicate, what not to say is, how are you doing? That's something that it's like, what do you expect for the person to say in, re- in return? Because when you offer this well-worn phase, the person is most likely to hear something different, something like, please tell me you're doing okay, because it's uncomfortable. And if you're not doing well, they indicate that when, the face, when individuals face this question, people are more likely to respond with fine or okay, rather than really communicating their feelings. So what you can say instead is, it's really tough right now for you. That way you are acknowledging that they're going through something right now and it may be very painful, but don't gloss over their feelings and let them have a chance to grieve fully without judgment. Because a lot of times we get so quick to, well, they didn't cry, they didn't bury them fast enough, or we want to point the finger at someone, but give them their space and give them their time. Another thing, number two, what not to say is that they're in a better place. Now, I want to say, especially individuals as Christians, we always say that. Now, during such a confusing and personal time, it's better to be cautious than assume a disbelief system that the griever might not subscribe to. And a lot of times that's a problem. I remember when my mother was passing away and my daughter, my sister was preaching over my mom and she kept on and kept on. I told my sister, I said, you just preached your mama to hell. She was like, take this cancer to hell with you. I was like, oh, no, she didn't. So the thing is, this phrase can also seem to de-emphasize the pain that he or she is feeling in the moment. The person is still gone and not with them, and that is what is hard about the loss. So don't tell the person that I know they're in a better place because you don't know. I remember I had a pastor, his name was Pastor Hammond. He used to say, I don't have a heaven or hell to put nobody in. So instead, you could say, I'm sorry you're suffering, or I offer my condolences is another thing. When we say that, certainly the person is glad that their loved one is or is not suffering anymore, but it doesn't make the pain any different. So focus on the person who's experienced the pain at that moment. Another thing what not to say is, please let me know if there's anything I can do for you. I have heard that so much. Till if the person tells you that, are you really going to do it? Now, everyone's reaching out with offers of support, and it can be overwhelming. It also puts the responsibility on the bereaved to reach out for help. What to say instead is, I'll come over and do a few loads of laundry, or if you need me to cook, or if you need me to carpool. You know, you could tell a person, or you could offer your services, but just to blame, blatantly say, well, let me know if there's anything or call me if you need anything. Number four, what not to say. You can always blank, 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 meaning fill in the blank. If someone loses a partner or a child, you might tell them that he or she can always get either remarried, have another child, thinking that you're helping them to see the silver lining. But to the bereaved, it could sound like you're suggesting a loved one is replaceable. So that's something you don't want to say. What you say instead is, tell me about your loved one. Because when dealing with the present pain of a loss, it can be hard to look towards a future that is full of the unknown. Help to focus on the memories by asking specific questions, beginning with an active listener. Now, I'm going to click him back on, see if he got something else he want to share. Now, Stephen, with some of the things that I just said, is some of those things helpful in regards to what to say and what not to say? Yes. Another one is what not to say is I know how you feel. A lot of times you don't know how that person is feeling. Though everyone will at some time experience a loss, it is an overwhelmingly personal experience. You'll never truly be able to know how someone experiences loss and claim it that you you do can feel invalidated. What you can say instead is, I can imagine how you're feeling. And when you say I can imagine how you're feeling, because especially if you've never lost a child, you don't know what that feeling is like. Or if you've never lost a parent, you really don't know what it's like to have lost a parent until you've actually experienced 
So one of the I lost my dad, by the way. Mm -hmm. I know you did. I know you did. And one of the things is when an individual say, um, I imagine, I can imagine how you're feeling, they recommend that because that's giving a person a chance to identify how, how he or she feels rather than speaking for them. Another thing, what not to say, is this all happens eventually. Everyone does experience death and loss as a part of life, but this perspective might minimize the actual loss of the moment. This phrase is often tossed around when people lose their parents. What you might say instead is, you must really miss them. I know my auntie had posted on Facebook that she needed a hug, and I saw some of the response that people was giving her. Another what not to say is she would have wanted it this way. Now, unless the person planned for his or her funeral, there is no way to know his or her preference or what the preferences would have been. So speaking for the deceased might invite unnecessary qualms between families and friends and relatives who have different relationships and views of what the deceased would have deemed appropriate. Instead, you could say, I like to honor them this way. When you honor them that way, you're basically doing it the way you feel that you want to honor them. And number eight, what not to say, your handling is better than what I expected. That might just be putting it on a happy face. And one of the things you may say instead is you might not be feeling great, but that's okay. Let the person have complete freedom to feel how he or she wants, even if time has passed. Since the loved one's passing, it is comforting to acknowledge that each moment without them is difficult. And number nine, sometimes just don't say nothing at all. You'll be surprised how many people never reach out because they're very uncomfortable and don't know what to say. Instead, you might remember when. One of the most helpful things you can do for a grieving person is to share a memory of his or her loved one, even if you feel like you're not in their inner circle. You know, Stephen, I think that's been one of the biggest issues with Kobe Stassen is some individuals was in his circle, some individuals were not. Some people knew him personally, some people didn't. Some people had the experience with him, some people didn't. And sometimes when we start talking about that, we just need to be mindful of that. So you can share a memory, and you're giving them a perspective on that person that they've never otherwise get a chance to have. Now, those are just some of the things that I'm seeing. Now, Stephen, is there anything else you want the listeners to know before we end the show? Because we do have a couple of seconds left. What would you like me to say? Whatever you want to say about Kobe Bryant. Kobe Bryant was more than the NBA. He loved kids. He loved doing camps. He didn't even want to coach in the NBA. He just put his kids first and other children first. He was a great person. I know what he did in Colorado was wrong, but he overcame that. And he's still a good person, and he's my role model and my idol. I have a picture on my phone that I'm never going to take off. Okay. All right. Well, Stephen, I want to thank you for calling in. And I appreciate you, and I will follow back up with you and find out what's going on with your situation. And, again, I want to thank you. I talk to my mom almost every week. Okay. Again, I want to thank you for joining me here at Precious Predicaments Blog Talk Radio. And until next week, remember, you got this. Um, I don't know exactly what we're going to talk about tomorrow. We were supposed to be talking about the role of a man. So I will check with Tony, make sure we're talking about that. And until tomorrow. We will be on the air at 11.30 on Tuesday, 11.30 a.m. Pacific. And next week I will find another topic. Or if you have a topic you want to discuss with me, please either send me an email at preciouspredicaments at gmail.com or you can text me if you know me personally. Or you can also follow me on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and please subscribe to the show. Again, until we meet again, because, again, we could be here today on tomorrow. Remember, you got this. Thank you. Thank you, Stephen. No problem.